Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you once again from our away-from-home, at-home studio <laughs> in our motorhome, uh, which has been spending the winter in Titusville, Florida, at the Great Outdoors. Of course, we did change sites, though. Yeah, we moved about a mile. <laughs> As most of you know, we, we have two sites here, and uh, we rented out the other one, so we had to move. But last year, when we moved, what happened? Well, that's when the belt broke and the <laughs> alternator problem started, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to think about that stuff. It led to the the expense of a lot of money and, at trying to get and things fixed. Lord knows we've spent a lot of money on the motorhome again this year. <laughs> I'm feeling we've gotten to that critical age where Ooh. things start falling apart. It and, is a 2012. And the mind starts thinking, would it be easier just to buy a new one? And then the mind says, no, you don't have the money for that. And yep. so we... Nickel and dime ourselves. And as we found out at the Tampa Super Show, I don't see new floor plans that are better than the one we have. And if you don't so want it to be gray. We won't go into a rant here. If but, you don't want it to, but. Be, to be gray, forget it. All the new ones were gray. Yeah. I, we, just, I think we talked about that already. Yes, we did. But it's true. I just We're very happy with the model that we have. It's 2012. And we're very happy with the floor plan and... And if we have to spend a little money to keep it working well, that's the way it goes, I and, guess. And that's true when we get home as well. We just passed over 50,000 miles, and it's, well, we're planning on having many thousands of miles of happy travels shared with our listeners as we travel down the road. So you are listening to the RV Navigator for March 2020. It's episode number 179. Please go to our website to take a look at uh, the links for this month's podcast. And you can do that at rvnavigator.com, in case you're not familiar with all of these exciting details. And it seems like enough people must have found the email address because you are answering emails every, every day, I would say. Yeah, that's good. We like to hear from our listeners, and we want to hear about topics that you're interested in, and... We want to hear about the cold weather that you're enduring. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Whenever we are in Florida, I, I carefully study the weather in southern Texas and Tucson, where we've spent the majority of our winter time since we've retired. And I think this year we guessed correctly. Yes, um, once again. Today we are talking to you from a day where I actually wore my winter parka on a little hike we took this winter morning. Winter parka? That's, Would you call that light that's my, jacket? That's my parka. Well, the weather people because down here it are got just down, outrageous. It got, we were, it was 50 degrees when we started this walk. And, and I had a nice conversation with one of our neighbors from home the other day who was rejoicing because the weather was going to go up to 50 the next day. It's all relative. I would say we've spent a very comfortable winter here in Florida, and the weather has gone up and down, but that's to be expected. And we're, we're having our two days of winter right now, Whoop. and it's going to be... 80 again later next week. <laughs> we don't want to brag. Um, but we do have some upcoming travel plans. Maybe. <laughs> oh, yes. 
as you doubtless know, unless it's all over with by the time you listen to this, um, <laughs> the world is coming to an end because we are all worried about the COVID-19 virus. And, or coronavirus. And where it is and what it is and what we're going to do about it and are we all going to die. And uh, we are grateful that while we have some travel planned, it's not aiming in the direction of yeah. Asia, which it easily could be. Yes, we love indeed. to go to Asia. You wonder, especially when we hear that most of the people who have been done in by the virus are people from our age group. Stuck on a cruise um, ship for three weeks. Yeah, Ooh. and that's not a, an idea that gives us a lot of um, joy as well. Uh, so right now we are planning on taking a repositioning cruise from Fort Lauderdale to Copenhagen uh, later on this spring. In April. And then a little riverboat cruise from Amsterdam, Holland, Bruges, and that area. Um, at the moment, none of those areas are hot spots. And if I needed to be sick somewhere, uh, being in Europe to be sick is not such a bad idea yeah, either. Wow. But you want to make a good decision. And right now it's very unclear what to do it's really up in the air about this coronavirus virus but i would like to just give you some statistics based on its weekly influenza report the cdc estimates that there have been at least 29 million cases of the flu 280,000 hospitalizations and 16,000 deaths including 105 children in the United States this influenza season. From the plain old flu. From the plain old flu. And we've had no deaths in the United States from the coronavirus, and it hasn't really spread here. So we have to put these medical issues into perspective, and the news makes us very conscious and frightens us. But if you take a look at the death toll from (laughs) from the regular flu... Did you get a flu shot? Of course I did. I always get a flu shot. Oh, me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bullied you into it this year. Oh, bullied me. And aren't, you, and aren't you glad? Oh, by the way. What? What are you doing with your extra day? In February? <laughs> no, in 2020. In February 29th, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying Florida. <laughs> you have no special February 29th plans? No, no, no. I don't even have any special plans for our upcoming big anniversary. Oh. We're coming up to... 50. <gasps> We've been married 50 years? Most people... Oh, are we old? Most people plan oh, 50. A, a big trip for their 50th anniversary, and I think we're going to plan <laughs> to stay home for our 50th anniversary. <laughs> because we're always going on big trips. What a first world problem that is. Okay, so... We will be at home um, with... Recovering from the COVID virus. Do we have the wedding cake to to have? The the top layer of our original wedding cake? The frozen one? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's been gone for years. Do we have anything left over from... I still have my wedding dress. Uh, I wouldn't ask anything about that. (laughs) Well, I have it. (laughs) Okay, I better keep myself quiet on that one. Okay, so this month, uh, this podcast is going to be very interesting because... Not our usual. Not our usual, because we're having two interviews. As you know, we went to the Tampa Super Show. We met some people that we thought had some interesting products. And so over the next couple of months, we're going to have interviews. Today, we have two interviews. And we are also uh, going to talk about batteries. So we have batteries, tires... 
and water filtration we're going to talk about. An exciting based, lineup. Yeah, <laughs> only to our viewers. <laughs> so we, we hope that you're interested in this. If you've watched, I listened to this podcast for long, you have known that I have thrashed around, I have ranted, I have raved about what kind of batteries and how the batteries are going to be replaced and blah, 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 what blah. What kind of use? Because you have three basic choices these days. You can put in flooded standard batteries, which are inexpensive. You can put in AGMs, which are the same chemistry but much more hardy and don't uh, have any uh, maintenance. And then you can put in lithiums, which are very expensive. So I would like to put in lithiums, but... The batteries that we had were kind of going, getting weak, and we're going to be doing some boondocking and things in the near future. So I decided to go ahead and replace the batteries, and I decided to put in... Da-da-da-da-da-da! AGMs. AGMs. Glass Ooh, very... Whoa. I told you I can talk the talk. <laughs> I just don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did watch me put them in. Yes, I did. And I admired your great strength. Eight, no, no, not mine. Eight 70-pound batteries. Well, luckily you had the help of one of our favorite podcast <laughs> listeners who lives nearby and is always up for an exciting job, <laughs> like putting in batteries. Well, at least this time I didn't spill any of the liquid and stain my cl- or eat away my clothes. He helped us put in our convection oven, too. That's right. Keith has been a big help. Anyway, so I decided to go with Trojan AGM T105 batteries. These batteries uh, should give us a nice long life, but they are basically the same batteries that we had in there, but of course they're new, and they're AGMs, which means that they don't outgas. Now, one of the problems I was having, and you need to look at this on your coach, on your motorhome or your uh, travel trailer or whatever you have, look at the tray and see how the metal is holding up. I found that the tray that my that held my eight batteries was being eaten away and would probably not last much longer. In other words, the tray would crumble apart. Crumble. Because when the batteries and all standard flooded batteries will outgas, and when they outgas, that's a corrosive gas that gets into the compartment and eats away the metal components, regardless of whether they're painted or whatever they are. It's going to eat stuff away. So that tray is was getting eaten away, and soon it wouldn't be able to hold the 570 pounds worth of batteries that I was putting in it and be able to roll in and out. By buying AGMs, I'm going to stop the corrosion and therefore save myself some money in the future. Plus, I have batteries which hopefully will give me a much longer life. One of the things that flooded cells have problems with is vibration and bumps and because the elements inside there become loose and they stop doing their job. So AGMs don't have that problem because everything is uh, very tightly enclosed in the case. There's no uh, venting, so they should last much longer. Uh, Unfortunately, AGMs cost on the order of twice as much as flooded batteries. Do they give you twice as long a life? No. No. Do they give you twice as much power? No. No. Are they easier on your maintenance and on your coach? Yes. Yes. Ooh, we're of one mind. Now, the thing is, is that uh, Trojan is one of the big names in batteries. And while I was at the Tampa Super Show, I talked to the Trojan battery manufacturer, Trojan Batteries, and asked them if they had any deals. And they do. I was surprised. And this was a legitimate discount. 
Trojans. I looked around. If you look at Trojan T105s, the AGMs cost in the $250, $300 range per battery. And times eight, that's a lot. So the deal meant that you had to drive an hour to go get them rather than just a, going to a, a to Trojan dealer because you can go to almost any golf cart store and get Trojan batteries, but you're going to pay probably over $300. So I got these for 216 plus, as you know, they take the old batteries back and they were $22 per battery to return them because they recycle the lead and stuff. So batteries are very nicely recyclable, but you need to take them back. I had to drive from Titusville, where we're located, to Orlando, which is about an hour, and then I had to do that twice. Two round trips, yeah. Because I wanted to make sure that the new batteries got into exactly the same place as where the old ones were. And this is one of the issues that I wanted to make sure that I had batteries that were exactly the same size and had the terminals in the same place so I could use all the same wires and make it work. And that was exactly what I got. So, Well, I was not immediately involved <laughs> with this project. I was within earshot. And I have to say that it seemed to last less than two hours and there was no swearing and there were no trips to the hardware store. So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, and I was prepared for some changes, but in fact, everything went very smoothly. But you need to take pictures, even as careful as I was. I needed to refer to the pictures several times in order to get all of the connector rods in the in the right place and to get everything back and working, and it seems to be working pretty well. And, of course, our big concern while this project was underway was that in our all-electric coach, we have an electric refrigerator and freezer, and uh, you found a way to plug that in aside from the yeah, batteries. Using the shore power. Yeah, we had to disconnect all the shore power. I didn't want to... So that went smoothly as well. Didn't want to blow myself up. Or lose the food. Or lose the food, right. So all is well. And so if you're thinking about doing batteries, uh, take a picture of the terminals and what's, uh, what's connected to what, and uh, also consider which type of battery you're going to put in and the size it'd be easy to put in bigger size batteries but they probably wouldn't have fit as easily as these were these were exactly the same size they're standard golf cart batteries they're, these are six volt batteries which uh, generally give you longer capacity than do standard 12 volt so it's not a car battery. This is a deep cycle battery that's designed for RV use. Besides the obvious cost differential between these and the lithiums, did we talk before about why you didn't choose lithiums in terms of reconfiguring our bay? And Well, lithiums have some big problems for us, and one is that their low temperature capacity is very limited. So when we go... Low to, temperature is below freezing? Yeah. So you can't charge them when they're below freezing. It's not 50 degrees? Right. And so most of the lithium batteries are housed in a compartment that is temperature controlled. <laughs> That's just the opposite of what you need for flooded batteries. They have to be in a compartment that is open, which ours, of course, is, because they outgas. And so uh, that would be counterproductive, and it could easily lead to an explosion. So... Lithium storage is different than the requirements for uh, flooded batteries. And uh, I would also mention that you need to change the charger settings for AGMs if you make that switch. It's a minor setting, but they change have the settings it on what? On our charger to charge the AGMs in the best way to, to charge. 
So if someone is listening to this adventure you've just had <laughs> and contemplating doing it themselves, how much do they need to know about this stuff to do this? Um, I would say nothing. You can have a strong back and a weak mind and that would work? Well, as long as you take a picture of the connections, it's just as long as you buy the batteries that are exactly the same size and these were, and these are pretty standard, the connecting wires should fit exactly the same way, and as long as you put everything back the same way, it should work. Now, one of the things you want to do, though, is make sure that everything that draws power is turned off. I unplugged the RV from the power source at the at the pedestal to make sure that there was no residual. I didn't want my charger trying to charge the batteries while I, while I was installing them, for instance. Juice Juice floating around? Right. And it's not for shocking, but you've got to be careful, uh, like you hook up uh, one terminal before the other. In our case, it was the negative before the positive. How did you know that? I read from my inverter. So if you had made a mistake, besides not having electricity... (laughs) A small problem, I would say. (laughs) Could you have burned the place down or hurt yourself? It would be be unlikely. Here I am. (laughs) Well, I mean, can you see the wires where they go? I mean, you yeah. know, these are big, heavy conductors, so I would think that it would be easy. They, as long as you put them back exactly the way, the they, way were. they were, and, and don't make the connection to the coach until the the final. And when I came out there, there was some wire floating around that you had not floating around. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was separate from the red and black ones, and you said, "Oh, I forgot to put this back." What was that one? Well, there, uh, our inverter has a battery temperature sensor so that it knows how to charge the batteries. And so I just didn't put that on. But that was nothing. Not a deal breaker. No, not at all. A couple of other things that we might want to talk about before we get into the fabulous interviews that we're going to have in a minute. At home, I have my computer connected up to two monitors. In the man cave. In the man cave. I have a 27 and a 20, well, actually two 27s. And for doing video and still editing it's really a huge benefit to have two monitors they have that huge big screen so here on the road i just can't have two monitors what a rough life you lead <laughs> so when i'm editing the podcast it's a major a major sacrifice dis- sacrifice and inconvenience <laughs> another first world problem but i found a new piece of software called duet d u e t and this uh, software apparently works on Mac and Windows, and it takes your iPad and turns it into a second monitor for your computer. Now, is that cool? Yes. And it's cheap, and it works, and uh, you also get touchscreen, which now is you also said, cool. Because you haven't showed this to me that you used your iPad as your second monitor, which is significantly smaller than the main monitor that you use yes. here in the motorhome. So does it? Do the picture like two-thirds, one-third, or does it just do it 50-50? Well, it's appropriate sized for the number of pixels that are on your iPad, which are quite a few. But, for instance, you can put your tools uh-huh. that you use frequently and, and have and have a full-screen picture. Or what I was doing the other day is have the film strips on the one and have the full frame on the other. Uh-huh. So which you can is, divvy up the workspace. You can divvy up. Yeah, and depending on the piece of software that you're using, you can divvy it up. And the software is cheap. The software works. It requires just a wire, uh, and apparently you can have it uh, over Wi-Fi, too, although there is supposed to be some latency. I just had a wire that I just plugged into the USB, and it worked. So Cool. Very cool. That's called Duet, and you might want to take a look at it. Also this month, I bought a GoPro Max. 
GoPro Max takes 360 videos and stills. That's the one where you took pictures of the top of your head at the, <laughs> at the Super Show, right? Yeah. Just learning. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, one of the problems that you have with the GoPro Max is that it has... Is that everything's in the picture. <laughs> right. <laughs> Including the top of your head. No, everything except a very small little slice right at where the camera is, the, the plane of the camera. So you have to be careful to take pictures that uh, don't include you, which is... Uh, hard to do. Hard to do. But it's a very cool camera because it takes 360 panoramas, or 360s, up until this time, you've needed to stitch the pictures together. It would take. It has uh, two lenses, one on each side of the camera, and it takes uh, two pictures simultaneously, and it automatically stitches them together, which is the the really cool feature. So, if you're looking at getting a GoPro, you might want to instead buy the GoPro Max because it has this new capability to do 360s, and the 360s come out as JPEGs. And uh, if you don't want to use them as 360s, it, it has a very cool picture because it's a 360 view that's been flattened out. But with the software, you can then use it in a 360 mode, which means that you can pan around, look up and down, just as if you were standing in the spot where the picture was taken. And my wife has found it to be fascinating. I'm still tar- struggling with how to use it and how to view it. In the software. To 360. Well, when you're not able to use that. Well, one of the other things that it... Like, I'd like to put videos on my blog, and they just wouldn't display it. Well, but the cool thing about this, too, is is that you can take the JPEGs and extract... Capture a a picture from it. From any angle, uh-huh. so that you can pan around and get the best angle for whatever you're trying to to see in the picture, and zoom in on it and uh, and capture that as a single picture, which is also a neat feature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the software they have is very slick, and it comes from GoPro. And the quality of the pictures, decent, sharp. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't blow them up huge, but it's a big picture. So we're going to do some interviews now. These have been previously recorded. And I want to make sure that you, you understand. Mean we haven't had these two men sitting here waiting for us to shut up before we talk to them. Smart Alex. <laughs> and we want you also to understand that we had not received any compensation for this. this these are interviews that we have done uh, proactively. We have just called them and said, will you be on our show? We don't expect anything. We don't take advertising. And so both of the products that we're talking about here, I think, are good products and something for you to consider. The Clear 2.0 is, a, is something that... Uh, we saw at the show, and they have a new product, which uh, Keith is going to talk about. But I want to emphasize, because it, it water filtration is a topic which I never understand. <laughs> and living at home, you kind of just take for granted that the water that comes out of your tap yeah. at home is good, and apparently not even that is often the case. Uh, it's a topic you need to be more aware of. Certainly Flint, Michigan has enlightened us about what can go wrong and i use one of those blue things that you put onto the hose and then i have, we have a filter built in and i never know which kind of filter to buy for each one and so this these are all topics which we talk about and as i said they have a new product which i think is going to be very popular this is a product which goes onto the hose at the connection to the water faucet at the campground and it has a sediment filter and then it has the carbon filter the standard cartridge filter that you have on the end of your hose now screws into it and 
I was happy to learn that the sediment filter is something that you can uh, clean off and reuse, and so it should be actually even more valuable. So you filter the sediment, and then you filter out the chemicals or the chlorine and stuff, which seems like a really good idea. The right way to do it. And everybody will be able to do this by buying the product that he's introducing in April. I was hoping that he would have the product... uh, here at even now because at the show we would have sh- bought one yeah we would have bought one at the show but uh, it's not even available now and he says uh, it won't be available till April probably it's stuck in China someplace Ooh, yeah <laughs> anyway so we're going to talk with uh, Keith Bernard from Clear Two O the water filter company <laughs> welcome listeners we are here uh, with a special interview that we're doing via Skype something fairly something new we for don't the- do very often. <laughs> The RV Navigators. Very modern and high-tech. But I am very high-tech, so I, you'd think that I would be used to doing this, but uh, we don't do this very often. At the uh, Super Show we in Tampa. in Tampa in January, we had a very interesting discussion about uh, clean water for your RV. And we met Keith, who we have on the line here with us right now. And Keith, you're the president of what? Applica Water Products, but people would know it through uh, our brand, which is Clear 2.0. Clear 2.0. Oh, good name. And we found out that we actually have some Clear 2.0 products. When we spoke with you there at the Tampa Super Show, we found out that we have the Clear 2.0 pitcher, which was uh, recommended by Consumer Reports, and we've been very happy with it. But uh, you put us on to some, uh, actually some new products and some new ideas that I think our viewers are quite interested in. Of course, water is something that we're always interested in because we travel from place to place, so we can never quite tell about the quality and the water. And as every RVer, I have a bunch of filters on mine, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I go to Walmart, and I buy the the blue thing to go on the hose, and our rig has a canister filter on it. But you told us about uh, some things to look for in terms of filters for your RV. So let's start at the faucet at the uh, outlet in the campground. What should I put on there? You know, the good thing about filtration is there's a lot of different choices. And so people can tailor that to somewhat specifically to the type of RV that they have, um, the space availability that they have. Being that there's so many different choices, the best place to start is, is what do you want to do with the water and how clean do you want the water? And do you want to be able to drink the water? We usually recommend a number of stages to be able to accomplish those different things. And, of course, you can buy different products to be able to support that. Okay. So there's some very easy things to do, especially if you're uh, brand new into the RV uh, world. You, you may already have a water pitcher at home. You may even be able to easily go to the store and get a water pitcher and a water filter. And that's going to give you some level of cleanliness that you can go ahead and store in your RV refrigerator, et cetera. So those are very quick and easy things to be able to get better water. Beyond that, most people go into an inline uh, filter after that, and they go into one that's placed on the outside. Now, now you're actually addressing not just your drinking water, but you're addressing all the water coming into your RV through an inline type of filter. And there's different types available. Uh, we make a solid carbon block filter. The competitors uh, uh, generally make granular carbon filters. Uh, wait, wait. You've talked about two different kinds here, carbon block and granular, granular carbon. The, the, the difference really between the two is granular carbon is exactly what you would expect that to mean. It's particles of carbon, just small granules of carbon that the water actually flows through. 
and as the water flows through, uh, different contaminants are absorbed. Uh, chlorine, for example, is absorbed, and it usually takes care of aesthetic type of issues with water. So aesthetic. You go through how it tastes or how it looks. Yeah, aesthetic is exactly right. It's the uh, it's the taste, the it's the color, it's the smell. Those are things that are aesthetic issues that usually can be taken care of through granular carbon. And not the serious cases, but the general cases can uh-huh. generally be taken care of. If you run into something more difficult, then you need to go on to a higher level of filter. And that's where you would step up into a solid carbon block filter. The difference between that is, is solid carbon block is actually made from compressed carbon powder. Uh-huh. So actual block. Um, where on a granular carbon, the water will flow through the granules. It does somewhat create channels through those granules as well, though, when, because they'll move the granules mm-hmm. out of When you're dealing with solid carbon block, though, you actually have to penetrate the wall of the filter with all of the water. So mm-hmm. the entire filter is actually being used, and therefore you have a much higher surface area, which means you can take out a lot more contaminants, you can actually improve the water to a much, much higher level. And then you can actually go down to a micron level. So that's a, a new term to, to include, which is actually a millionth of a meter. So it's very, very tiny. And a micron is actually the way you want to look at your various different filters to ensure that you're understanding what kind of particulates are being removed. So the carbon does both? It, it filters out the particles as well as cleaning the water? Yeah, the carbon, carbon's a, a, a very That's an friendly, interesting idea. Yeah, carbon's a very friendly molecule. Uh-huh. It, it's attracted uh-huh. to a number of different things, and a number of different things are attracted to it. So what happens is it's easy to absorb things like chlorine, um, other taste it's, and odors. Really? It absorbs chlorine? Uh, yes, it absorbs it in, in, it's into the carbon structure. Uh-huh. Then from there... It's the actual construction of the filter that actually gives you the micron level. Uh-huh. So as we use a solid carbon block or powder that's been compressed into a solid tube, you now have to actually penetrate that wall. And so therefore, we can control that down to a micron level, and you can be able to block at that point in time. So now the carbon structure is being used to block out contaminants, not just absorb them, but when you're talking about particulates like sand, silt, sediment, those aren't things that can be absorbed. Yeah. What they can be is blocked. Yeah, it just seems on a logical level that I would first want to filter out sediment and junk that's <laughs> particles in the water, and then I would take out the chemicals. Is Absolutely, that- and that's the first two stages that everyone should consider yeah. when they're looking at filtration for their RV is first to be dealing with the sediments uh-huh. and second to be then treating the water and using right. the carbon to improve the water uh, overall. So I would start with the, the the filter that goes on the end of my hose when, and that would be a sediment filter? Well, generally the inline filters that are out there, um, generally they may or may not have a sediment filter inside. Uh-huh. It depends on the brand, and it depends on the model and the brand that you're buying. Usually, the cheaper they are, the mostly the fact is that they don't have any sediment capability. Really? Uh, they only have aesthetic capability. Uh-huh. As you go up in expense, generally, a small uh, sediment filter has been added to the inline filters, 
and then you get a small amount of sediment that can be removed. In our filter, our whole filter acts as the filter itself, the blocking. So uh -huh. we do both in our filter and our green filter. At the show, you may recall that we were introducing a brand new product. That yeah, and I, want, I was very interested in that. Well, it, it ties directly into what we're talking about yes. now because what we've done is we've divided the jobs between a first stage and a second stage. The first stage being the pre-filter, the second stage being the carbon filter. Uh -huh. We've done this in line, and it's being launched uh, as our Dirt Guard, and it'll be available in the spring. Did you so said Dirt Guard? Dirt Guard is the name of the product. Okay. And what it is is it actually adds a pre-filter component. Uh -huh your normal inline filter so now you can bit both a 20 micron pre-filter to take out all the particulates the sand silk yeah, sand, yeah. rust as an example all the things that you want to block out of your system those get taken out first in that pre-filter stage and then we've designed it so that your inline filter actually fits inside of the oh really so they they work together and now you're your normal inline carbon filter becomes a second stage filter to do Cleaning a much, the much better job because it's not having to fight all the sand and silt. Yeah. And what happens is, is when you get that sediment into a filter, it coats the carbon. I would think so. Once it coats it, then that water is no longer reaching that carbon. So the, the carbon, you may still have flow rate, but it's really not being impacted by the carbon any longer. So if we <laughs> get that sediment out first then your carbon filter will work much, much, much better. So you sell those as a set? Well, we're going to. Um, right now we're introducing it uh, again here in another couple months. It'll be available online individually uh, on Amazon, on our website, and in other online retailers are probably going to be having it as well. We'll probably bundle them together so that we'll offer both of our dirt guard and our inline carbon filter together you know for some type of bundled price as uh -huh. well that'll be on our website as an rver i'm always concerned about storage space there never seems to be enough by having this all in one unit am i saving space over what we're doing now you won't be saving space it is slightly larger when you add in the dirt guard but mm -hmm. we designed it so it nested one nested inside the other so mm -hmm. we tried to limit that as much as possible good um, we recognized that it needed to hang off of a faucet. Sometimes those are low to the ground. So, we again, we designed it to save space overall and to not take up too much room. You're just talking about something that's a little slightly wider than the inline filter itself. So, in doing so, it really should fit in most storage on most trailers and all the way up to, of course, uh, uh, drivable RVs as well. So, the sediment filter has... Replacement capabilities. It has you buy a housing and it has a filter inside of it. Absolutely, it's uh, you're you're familiar with canister type sure. setup, yeah. right? Well, we designed it more like a canister, and then the inline filter fits inside as well. So, uh, you would actually remove the top of the canister, the top of the dirt guard, and you would then remove uh, a higher tech filter than you normally come across. We actually made it out of a very durable uh, polyethylene material, so it actually is very rigid. Uh -huh. So when you look at it, you may not even think it looks like a filter. Uh -huh. In truth, it is a 20 micron filter, and we did that. We wanted it to be rugged so that you could actually clean it. Oh, really? We've made it so that you can take um, a kitchen scrubber um, on a scouring pad and be able to scour the outside. That removes any buildup that could occur there. 
And then we're also including a, a hose attachment that allows you to reverse the flow. Oh. And then you can backwash the filter out. And, so that's kind uh, of a one-time expense then? A few times, and then it will be time to replace uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. All with the goal to try to lengthen the life and to make it a little bit easier and make sure that you're getting high flow rate. And this is designed specifically for RVers? That's correct. That's uh, we're, we're an RVer ourselves, so we designed uh-huh. it for our use. And, of course, then whenever we do that, we always bring it into the rest of our product line. This is something that we would use ourselves. Yeah, I, I think so. As we travel around the country, how do we know whether we need to filter our water or should we just assume that we always do need to? Well, it's a great question because, again, when you're dealing with water and you turn it on and you see brown water coming out, that's a very clear indicator that you want to not have that go into your system. But when that water comes out clear, it's very difficult to see whether or not, well, did you need to do anything? Right. The difference between the two is lead and all things in solution are not going to be visible. Clear water can be as dirty as uh, brown water in, if it has things in solution that you don't want. Mercury or lead or different VOCs. You know, sometimes uh, when you run the water, you get that bad sulfur smell, yeah. which is a rotten egg type of smell. You have to actually remove that with having a filter that can remove uh, volatile organic compounds. So that's something that has to be done. And carbon does a very good job of that, but you need really good carbon. Your standard granular carbon usually doesn't uh, do that effectively. So unless I want to travel with a chemistry set, it's a good idea just to always filter my water as much as I can as I'm traveling. The way we view it is that you don't really have any control over the local water. That, that's being controlled by the municipality or right. whoever is has a well, if it's a well or whatever it may be. Nor do you have any control over the infrastructure that that water is running through before it actually gets to your tap. And because some of those things could be years, decades old, you just really don't know what's actually getting into that water. But if you filter it at your location, then you know you have control over that. And you know that whatever is coming through that filter, at least is to the quality level of the filter that you purchased. So at least you can have confidence that you're removing the uh, types of contaminants that you may be concerned about. Another thing that troubles me, in our stick-built home, we use osmosis for the water that we drink, and then we are much less rigorous with the rest of our water because we don't really care as long as it smells okay. Uh, But in an RV, it seems like we have to filter everything because if you start having two separate systems, it would just be cumbersome and unwieldy. Do I have that correct? Well, that, that is correct, and, and the better way to do it is to do exactly that because you don't want the sand and silt and sediment to get into your RV. Plumbing systems in RVs are smaller than yeah. residential systems, so you're going to deal with problems with your faucets, your staining, you're going to deal with problems with your hot water heater, etc., and it's just best to keep all of that out. And generally, there's a lot of sediments that people are getting into their systems overall if they're not filtering those. Going to the next level of using a carbon filter and being able to clean that water up and improve that water overall. One of the biggest environmental issues going on right now is single-use bottles. So Uh where we can reduce single-use bottles, we think that's a good thing. And then in addition to that, when you're at a campground and the water doesn't that good and it maybe doesn't smell that great or you have other issues, 
when you shower in it, your your skin absorbs a, <laughs> a huge amount of that water. So it's getting into you, whether you drink it or not. So we really recommend that you, you clean all your water. Yeah, and that's obviously very easy to do with an RV. Uh, so now I buy the sediment filter with the carbon block at the bib, and now I have a canister that's part of my water system that came from the manufacturer. What do I? What kind of filter do I put on that? We recommend three levels always to be able to do things. If you want to drink, go all the way to the drinking water quality. So the first would be a pre-filter we talked about. Second would be adding a carbon filter. Right. And uh, generally, we recommend a solid carbon block filter at that level. And then the third level would be to have a uh, an additional system to a lower micron so it protects uh-huh. your... So like a one micron or five? At, or it could be less than one. You can have five Let's, as well. Um, those are all good systems. Obviously, the lower the micron always is the better, but that's always a balance of flow rate. Yes, I would think so. Rate. But so, a one micron is reasonable for five gallons a minute or so? Generally, yes. It depends uh-huh. on the system that you're putting it into. Um, but in a canister-type system, you can easily get five-plus gallons per minute. In an inline system, obviously, it's going to be more like three and a half to four gallons per minute. But generally, the showers was where everybody notices the yeah. water pressure. Showers are around two gallons per minute. So generally, as long yeah. as it's than that, you really don't notice too much difference. Our washing machine notices. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, okay, so now a lot of people are talking on various uh, forums that I read about, well, I'm going to filter my system with a There's water a softener. What's the deal with a water softener? Well, in if you terms look of filtering the water, country, you are you're going to find a lot of hard water areas. Uh, here in Florida, we have uh, virtually the entire state's in hard water simply because of uh, the amount of limestone um, that uh-huh. the state. Uh, but in city, terms of the purity of the water of a softener, yeah, it does nothing. Well, yeah, the it, it's it's an apples and oranges kind yeah. of conversation. What it what it basically is is water softening is an ion exchange right. process. So you're actually removing the uh, minerals in the water. The calcium is the main culprit, and you're removing that, and that calcium is sticking to resin, and then you flush the resin, and that way it keeps that out of your system overall. So you can have softer water after that, and that gives you a much better feel. Uh, generally, with hard water, mm-hmm. you notice when you take a shower, it's hard to rinse the soap off. Um, you feel slimy. That's a hard. Those are hard water issues. That's the the minerals in the water. So the water softener removes those and allows you to have softer water, which is again improved and desired by most people. But it doesn't necessarily affect the water itself. It doesn't yeah. do anything to the cleanliness of the water. A lot of softeners actually add on a sediment filter. So if you have that, at uh-huh. least you're removing some of the sediments that are there. But without carbon, you're really not improving the water whatsoever other than to remove the, the minerals that are in the water. So I didn't realize how important uh, the carbon filter is, that it really does a big, has a big job to do in taking out lots of contaminants. Well, and that as well as getting a good quality one. Uh-huh. Because a lot of bad quality carbon filters out there, you, you have to be careful of that. You have to pay attention to the micron. You have to actually also look to ensure that it will do what you're looking for it to do. And so uh, it's really key and critical to be able to get a good quality one. I think one of the buzzwords in water treatment is uh, reverse osmosis, which Martha mentioned that we have at home. But it's really not practical for most RVs. Am I right? Well, that's very true. And uh, the reason why most people don't realize that 
on average, when you have an RO system, it actually has a lot of wastewater. So exactly. if you have uh, one gallon of produced water, you may have anywhere from four to five gallons of exactly. wastewater. And unless you're hooked up where that can drain, those, that's going to go in your tanks. And so you're going to be filling up your tanks as you drive along um, with this additional wastewater, um, which is really just a waste of water. We, right. when under a filtration system, we can give you reasonably good quality of water um, near RO um, type of levels. And my point of view is is that generally good enough for most people. Uh-huh. And so, well, in RO systems, they're good because they take out all the way down to a 0.1, 0.2 level of micron quite often, depending on the micron uh, filter that you have inside. Uh-huh. Great, you remove everything, but that also removes a lot of the minerals as well. So you're re- drinking a near-distilled yeah, type of yeah. water as opposed to a water with some flavor. Um, you may have noticed, if you ever read a water bottle, a lot of times it says it's produced through RO, but then what it does is uh, they add back in minerals for taste. So Yeah, you, yeah, you read that on the bottles for sure. So basically you're recommending a, a three-filter system to get really pretty good water? Well, it's three stages. Now, three it depends stages. on how you're set up as to how you get into those uh-huh. stages, but if you had uh, a pre-filter and or a carbon filter and then you had a canister on board, you can you can put a pre-filter or a carbon filter in that as well and then use a secondary system for your mm-hmm. drinking, whether it's a water pitcher or a countertop type of filter or an additional under-sink filter. But if you have those three levels, you're really making good quality water that you can feel confident in drinking. Okay, that sounds good. And that's from almost any source. That's correct. When we are really... Sh- dealing with iffy water we have a distiller which we use to make drinking water but we don't use that too often but sometimes you know you get in places that have really bad smelling water and it's it salty water yeah well, in texas you get salty water right does it do these filters take out salt generally no, no generally salt so. dilution and it generally passes through uh, most filters all right so uh tell us uh, your website and what you sell well, we make a, a number of water filtration products. We make them both for your kitchen and also for your RV. And uh, those can all be found on our website, which is www.clear2o.com. Again, it's clear2o, not zero, but clear2o.com. And you'll find that on our website when we post this episode, so they can click there. That'd be great. We'd be, we're always happy to have new customers. Okay. How's business? <laughs> I would think it'd be pretty good these days. You know, we've, uh, we're, we're doing very well. And, you know, again, we're, we're a premium filter into the market. We're really for people who want to make better water and who really want to improve and be able to drink their water, not haul the bottle of water along with them, or who just want really better water for their entire thing. So we really focus on trying to make a higher technology type of products um, that allow that to happen. And we're finding a really good audience. We're finding uh, people that are like ourselves. We're, again, we, we love to go RVing, and, and we develop these products for ourselves, for our own use. In doing so, you know, these are always tested by us first. And nice to find somebody who uh, understands the RV market and, you know, is making things that we can put on the bib and, and at the end of our hoses and, and filter the water right at the beginning. That's, uh, that's very nice to see. We're looking forward to seeing this new product. Um, I assume it will be available on your website when, when it becomes available. In the spring, Absolutely. In the spring, yeah. 
uh, just in a few months, we'll have it available, and uh, the Dirt Guard will be out there. And absolutely, I think it's going to solve a lot of problems for a lot of people. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I don't know why somebody didn't think about it before. <laughs> Seems well, luckily, they, luckily for us, yeah, they did. Right. <laughs> Good for you. All right. So it's been a pleasure talking to you and clearing some of these things up. Now I know exactly the, the filters that I need to get to to make this work. Well, I'm going to wait for the for the new Dirt Guard. Of course, you to are. come along. <laughs> I want to try that out. All right. We're forward to that. Yeah, so it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, thanks for all the good information. I'm sure our listeners will uh, thank you also. Thanks for your time. Uh, thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks again. Well, we want to thank Keith uh, for his time. Um, we hope that the Skype interview came through okay. That was kind of an interesting way of doing it. I haven't used Skype uh, in quite a while, but uh, it seemed to record pretty well. There were a couple of words that cut out and things but that sounded happens. okay to me sounded okay to us um we also wanted while well, we're talking about water stuff um we want to talk about uh water regulators pressure regulator a couple months ago i talked about <laughs> a water pressure regulator that i bought that i felt was a little bit better than the typical one because when you put a water pressure regulator on the system it usually cuts down the flow and that's kind of counterproductive so you want to be able to cut down the pressure without cutting down the flow why do you need one because the water pressure is too high. Why? We don't usually use one. In all honesty, I don't. I'm not. We've a big been fan. to a handful of campgrounds that warned us that yeah. we needed one. It's not something I put on regularly. Is campground is RV plumbing less robust yes. than home plumbing? Is that yeah. the problem? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, you need to kind of test your RV, and of course, because it's going down the road and getting shooken, getting shooken, <laughs> shaken. <laughs> It, it gets a lot of movement, and, you know, things might burst. Having a water f flowing all over your RV would be bad news. So chances are, if you're an RVer, you're not taking the nice gusto-y showers that you're used to at home. The bottom line is, there are occasions when you want to have a, a water pressure regulator. And the one I'm going to put on the website today is a different concept because it doesn't reduce the flow. It just reduces the pressure, and it has some internals that make that happen. I don't, I don't understand what it, how it works. So do you just put it on all the time? No. I only put it on when the water pressure is too high. And you know that because <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> My wife tells me there's too much water coming out of the shower. No, I would never complain about that. <laughs> I like Usually nice, the campground will say something. Nice, or be some sort of, or say, But occasionally you do need one. I don't put it on every time we go to a campground. A lot of people, it's just part of their standard system. Right. And then they complain about the fact that the water there's doesn't no come, out of, there's come right. out of there. Yeah, there's no pressure. Okay, so well, let's move on to interview number two. This is uh, with David Ward, who helped us buy our tires last month. And so we have first-hand experience with his service. And David is the president of National Tire Concierge Services. And uh, he helped us save hundreds of dollars on tires, and he can help you save hundreds of dollars on tires. And once again, we will say we took no compensation for this. We used the tire service to buy our new tires, and we were very happy with it. And we thought that you might be interested in uh, his service for buying your tires because it's a nationwide service to help you buy tires for your motorhome, for your trailer, for your car, for almost anything. So... Give it a try. As far as I can see, there's no, no real downside, and you get you know tire 
on the road services and you know all sorts of other good stuff that's included in the program. So even though we are lucky enough to be camped a few spaces down from um, <laughs> David, you don't need to be anywhere near Florida no. to take advantage of his service or to purchase the tires. Exactly. So here's the interview with David Ward. Well, we're here with uh, Dave Ward, who is the president of National Tire Concierge Services. And you remember last month on the podcast that we had a tire issue. Uh, our tires were old, and we spent uh, some time shopping for tires, and we were going to go with FMCA. But we found Dave and Tire Concierge Services, and they saved us lots of money. <laughs> so uh, this month we decided to invite Dave because we want to uh, share this with our listeners. And so Dave is here to uh, to chat about the the business that you have. So tell us about it. Well, Ken, I want to thank you very much for having me. No problem. The uh, What we do is... Um a true concierge service. Uh, <laughs> Entirest. I don't understand what that well, is. I know about that in hotels. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very similar. Uh-huh. Okay. But we do it with tires. Okay. Um, you go to a concierge in a hotel. He gets you whatever you need. Yeah, yeah. And he just hands it to you. Yeah, and, yeah. And away you go. Up, yeah. So we decided to do the same thing for the RV people. Where we actually can find the tires for you, set up the service. Which you did. Service part for you. We can get you the best price on Michelin and BF Goodrich. Really? And we then, you know, we also follow it and yeah. make sure that your your uh, whole experience was what you expected and get you the best price uh, for the tires. This is too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but but I mean, we have experienced it. We bought new tires, and, and it was true. And it was true. Yeah, yeah. I, this is not a come on. This is not uh, fantasy. It's it's real. We um, we have our own coach, so it's yeah. Not, not so that. you're an RVer too. I'm an R full time RVer. Great. And uh, we we go to a lot of shows too. Do you? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this year, uh, with some of our suppliers like Michelin. And um, one of our um, service providers, our main service provider, which is Schneider Tire, which mm-hmm. encompasses all the East Coast mm-hmm. and across the bottom to Texas. Okay. Okay. And they have over, uh, I think it's over 90 different service centers. Well, we're looking at doing complete safety checks uh-huh. free of charge on your motorhome at designated areas. Really? So... Before you go home as a snowbird, okay, yeah. we'll make sure that your tires are right and that you're not going to have any problems on the way home. Yeah. Unless you hit <laughs> Which is why I bought new tires, because yeah, I didn't a, want to drive home. Unless you hit a bolt or, yeah, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. on, and But then if you do that, then you have Michelin, even though a lot of guys have um, their roadside assistance. Right. Okay, and they pay X number of dollars right, for right. that. Which we have. Um, we've had a lot of people uh, tell us that... You know, they've been stranded on the side of the road with that roadside assistance program uh-huh. for six, seven, eight hours. And with Michelin, you're guaranteed to be back on the road within uh, two hours, and it doesn't. Co- it only costs you for the service call. That's all it costs you, and the tire. And I don't have to have a spare. And you don't have to have a spare. They'll bring it with. Wow. And they'll bring the Michelin tire. 
and you pay exactly the same price for that really? tire as if you were sitting in their garage. Wow. So these are all things that we bring as part of the country air service. When you say two hours, I'm remembering when we were on the loneliest <laughs> highway in the United States in Nevada. Mm. <laughs> Um, I know that. I think I've been 50, on that road. 50. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been on that road. Do you do it that quickly well, then, too? Well, it's Michelin, or? right? I mean, Yeah, it's Michelin. So they have Michelin has service centers all oh. along that road, uh-huh. uh, different tire. So in those small towns, there's uh-huh. a tire guy. Uh-huh. He probably belongs to Michelin, uh-huh. okay, and he's a call-out service program, uh-huh. part of the call-out service program. So you can really support people wherever they are. Wherever they are, even if it's mechanical. Like, even if you have a mechanical problem, they'll mm-hmm. send out a mechanic. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it is a call-out program, so you're going to pay an hourly rate for that. Mm-hmm. But at least you're getting it and not in, sitting on the side of the road. In timely fashion. Right, yeah. right. right. So I join your service, right. and this gets me access to low price tires, mm-hmm. new tires. It gets me the... Roadside roadside service. It gets me the concierge service, so he helped me with the the logistics of getting my tires replaced. And we got one more thing for oh, you. Oh, okay. Okay. When you buy your tires, we give you the first three years, okay, a road road hazard warranty, mm-hmm. both wheel and tire, for free. Wow, three years. Okay, so the minute that you buy those tires, you uh, as soon as we send it into the insurance company and it's an insurance company that does uh-huh. it for us and uh, we we don't charge you for that for the first three years so what's the downside uh, I don't know uh, uh, I mean so the downside is I have to pay ninety dollars yeah the downside is that you have to belong to or be a member yeah okay for ninety dollars but well, that's a one-time you, fee yeah it's a one-time fee uh, but if you belong to any of the other groups, yeah. it's yearly. So, um, and it's as much, if not more. So, you know, there's other groups out there. But yeah. we just spec- we specifically do tires. We yeah. don't get into other things. Yeah. So tires and service is what we take care of. Now, we bought a hunk of rubber from you, but some <laughs> of our listeners have much smaller equipment. So if I had a simple travel trailer with one axle or two axles and small tires, would it behoove me to take advantage of your service in terms of the savings? I mean, we felt like we saved a lot of money with you, but... You're going to save anywhere from 50 to $60 per tire. Even on a small... On small tires? And even on your trailer tire? And as we mentioned last month, just to refresh everybody's memory, we bought eight tires, and we first started off with the FMCA discount down to a local dealer, and... Dave was able to save us $143 per tire off the price off the discounted FMCA price on Michelin's. So to me that's a real powerful incentive. Well, <laughs> the reason that we there has to be a reason for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, tell us what you yeah. So the reason for that is we don't only do RVs. Right. Okay. We also do the limo industry. Right. So we take care of all their cars, all their buses, mm-hmm. and all of that. Plus, we also do the independent over-the-road trucker. 
Right. So that's how it's we like get a, the better it's, price. It's a fleet program, and we've just right. joined the fuel fleet program, and that gets us 50 to 60 cents a discount on a gallon of fuel. Right. So, you know, the, <laughs> our viewers need to kind of same band together and become take, part of Because you fleet. know truckers are getting decent deals on right. tires and things. Better than we are. Better than we are, because we pay retail price most of the time. Right. So, exactly so you're right. offering us the same sort of fleet service, and that's where your yeah. your service comes in. Is is that we join the fleet, and then we get the discount that ordinary fleet people get. Yeah, well, well, you actually get the fleet discount, like you probably have seen the big trucks like Swift Transport, yeah, yeah. which are all, like beside you all the time when you're on the highway because they have so many of them. You're getting exactly the same yeah. price as that size of conglomerate. And I was impressed with, <laughs> to reiterate this, that when I went to the dealer to have my tires replaced, they ordered the tires, and then I paid you or Michelin, somebody. I didn't pay. The dealer didn't collect any money from me at all. No. He didn't even know how much I paid for the tires. Exactly, and he's not supposed to. So how do I know how much I pay? For, if I don't go to a dealer, how do I know how much I pay for the tires? Because you ask you know, me, and I tell you. So you have... So I deal all that with you. Right. We tell you exactly how much you're going to pay before so you get be, there. Okay, so, I, so before I go to the dealer. Right. You you intercede, really. Right. We we make sure that you know, there is nothing hidden. We okay. make sure you know exactly what's... Uh, and that's exactly you know. the way it worked for me. Right. So you just, uh, like in your case, you knew exactly how much it was going to cost you before you got there. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the and the the guy who made out the invoice didn't know how much I was paying. Exactly. He put down his cost for mounting and the stems and labor. the labor and all that sort of stuff on his end, but he didn't put down any price for the tires, no. <laughs> which kind of surprised me. Well, you actually, I walked out of there without paying anything. Right. Well, you're actually getting billed on yes. your credit card by right. Michelin Direct. Right. So to sign up, what does right. somebody do? You, just, you can call Wendy or myself. Okay. okay. At the phone number, which we will provide on our website, but if you'd like to tell us what it is. Uh, mine is uh, 321-607-2265. And if you'd rather talk to my good wife, Wendy, <laughs> it's uh, 321-607-8465. And these are Florida numbers. Those are Florida but numbers. But these are nationwide services. This is nationwide, no matter what. And... and we just added Canada. <laughs> and it's tires for your your motorhome, tires for your trailer, tires for your fifth wheel, tires for your car, tires for your motorcycle. Well, we can't get motorcycle tires. Oh, okay. So never mind. We can't get your motorcycle How about, how about for my golf cart? <laughs> okay. No, but tire, doesn't provide those But either. for any motorized vehicle. Yeah, your no. tow vehicle or anything like that, so, we have tires. So this is much better than the diesel fleet service that we have for fuel, which only provides diesel at truck stops. This provides for any type of vehicle that you own. You anywhere. Can, and anywhere. And, in and, and as many as I want to buy. I mean, you, I can contact you this year, and then the next year, well, if my car needs tires, I yeah. can contact you. Exactly. And primarily Michelin and Goodrich. Michelin and BF Goodrich. BF Goodrich. Right. Okay. And the process would work the same if I was in Tucson this winter. I would just deal with you on the phone and yep. with email, and yep. you'd send me somewhere local in the Tucson area. I would already, I would have already, once I know what you want, uh -huh. I'd call the local dealer there, uh -huh. tell them that you're, uh, uh, what you want, have the tires there for you, and they would be waiting for you. So even though the 
we wouldn't see you face to face as Ken and I did, the process would be exactly the same. Exactly the same. And you had the tires within 24 hours. Right. I mean, I contacted you and it all happened. Well, having said that, sometimes I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But um, most of the time, because of our volume, yeah. Okay, we get preferred service. Uh huh. So the warehouse will ship ours before they ship somebody else's. And they were certainly at the guys at the dealer when I was there. I mean, right. he, and he got them within well for me twenty four hours. But I mean, obviously that well, is a little bit variable. I'll give you one that uh, one of our local people here in mm-hmm. the great outdoors. Uh, he needs his tires. He's coming down March seventeenth. His tires are waiting for them today. Uh-huh. So all he has to do is drive in the tires. They already his appointment is set for him. Just drives in, they'll put the tires on, and he drives away. Slick. And then he's charged. And his his credit card is charged from Michelin or by Michelin, not by not by um, uh, our concierge program. Yeah. So by Michelin. So in it, so no, go back. So they call you, and what happens? Well, they call us, and what we do is we take down all your information, Mm -hmm. including getting your credit card information. Right. We take that credit card and embed it in Michelin's computer. Uh Uh-huh. Okay? So it just stays there forever, and if you want the safest computer ever, Uh it's Michelin's because they drive you crazy. But anyway, with all their firewalls. But uh, so then we give you... A national fleet card, uh-huh. which we emailed to you, and you just right. you just download it to your phone, and that way you always have it. Mm-hmm. If um, like if your credit card, it's time to renew your credit card, and uh-huh. you get a new credit card. All you have to do is phone us; mm-hmm. we'll switch it for you and send you out a new card. Mm-hmm. It takes about an hour, and you're all set and ready to go again. So when I've done all this, then I when I need tires, I just call you and call me. I'll, I'll make arrangements for your tires, and the dealer will be there. <laughs> That's almost too good to be true. <laughs> that sounds like a fabulous service. And how how come we don't know about this on a more broader scale? Well, you know, it, it's more word of mouth than yeah, uh, I guess so. Especially here in uh, in the great outdoors, yeah. uh, we've getting more and more people here. Um, and we actually just started, Michelin just allowed us to do the RV program this year. To market oh, really? It, oh. To market it. Uh-huh. Uh, we've been doing the uh, limit industry and the trucker industry for 10 years. Uh-huh. Uh, they saw the niche and saw how much they get from other mm-hmm. sources. And um, they found that our concierge service... Mm-hmm works far better and they don't have any complaints <laughs> yeah, I say. and there's I no company why. really wants complaints they want all their customers to be satisfied mm-hmm. not only with even if you know even if you have the best tires in the country you get bad service getting them put on yeah yeah mm-hmm. then it reflects on the tires mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so they found with our concierge service that right now we're listed as the number one concierge service in the country and uh so we're happy about that. Yeah. And uh, all the companies that we do business with just love it because we just make their life easy. When you take over all the details. Right. And they just ship the batteries, which or I mean, the, the tires, which they're good at. And collect the money. They collect the money. <laughs> yeah, all they do is ship tires, collect money. They don't, all the rest Which is of all the they really want to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. They don't really want to <laughs> They don't want to deal with me. Yeah, they don't want to everybody else. So we did it. Uh, we, how'd you get started in this? Um... 
Well, years ago, I was uh, with Ford Motor Company, mm -hmm. and I was national fleet manager for uh -huh. all of uh, the United States. So I had the fleet background, uh -huh. and then when I retired and didn't know what to do with myself, <laughs> uh, I said, there's a niche here for the companies that I used to get yeah. cars for, yeah, uh, like the limo industry. They were like the wicked stepchild. Mm-hmm. And especially with Ford and General Motors and all of those, uh, nobody wanted to deal with them. Even though they bought so many cars, it was just a pain to deal yeah. with them. And I said, "Well, there's a niche that we can get all get them tires, get them the best tires." So I went to Michelin and said, "This is what I'd like to do." And three months later, here we are. You know, three this months. Three months from the time I started uh -huh. with Michelin till until uh, we started doing it. But that was back in 2011, and here uh -huh. we are. So you've been in business doing this quite a while. Yeah. I mean, both professionally as as a job, and then All my life. after you retired. <laughs> All my life. So yeah. I know a little bit about tires. Uh -huh. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, so uh, once again, give us your contact information. Okay. It's Dave Ward, and my phone number is 321-607. Two two six five, and if you'd rather talk to the better half, <laughs> okay, you can call Wendy at three two one six zero seven eight four six five. And you have a website? Uh, yeah, it's under construction, but you can still go to it and see a whole bunch. It's uh, nationaltireconcierseservice dot com. Oh, that's a catchy name. Yeah. That's the name of their company. I know. But <laughs> we tried to dumb it down. NTCS.com. <laughs> yeah, we tried, we tried to dumb it down, but uh, unfortunately, GoDaddy doesn't have It's already taken. Okay. NTCS yeah. is already taken. Oh, for something else, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, um, so if you want to go to the link, we will, of course, provide a link on this month's uh, website for this episode, episode 178. Well, uh, congratulations. Yeah, well, we've been doing this a while, too, since hey. 2006. So... Uh, we're very glad to meet you and to uh, to avail ourselves of your service. And it was kind of a surprise. We came down to Florida here expecting to spend big bucks. Well, we did spend big bucks, but <laughs> on tires. And, and as our listeners know, we don't accept advertising. And when we say something was good and well done well, and, and that's why worth the money... You know that we mean it. And that's why we wanted to have you on, because we have availed ourselves of the service and we found it to be a, something that our listeners should know about. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to thank you, Ken. No problem. And uh, for having me. And I just hope that uh, we can uh, live up to your expectations <laughs> and, yeah, all your, uh, so and all your listeners' expectations. Good. So... Go to NT, no, not NTS.com, but National look up the National Tire, Tire Service, Service com. <laughs> we'll get it. So it's been a long podcast. We have tons of good information. But people got to listen to somebody besides us, which is always a good thing. Always a good thing. And we will be on the road uh, starting in March and... We hope to see you in a campground near us in the not-too-distant future. Have we you? will be traveling north. Oh, oh. Well, and I'm going to have to... Oh. You're going to have to Do you realize I'm going to have to winterize yes. again? Yes, who planned this? Do I, oh, do I need to do a podcast about winterizing? A rant and a rave about winterizing. No, no, no. no very gonna, few you're, people... You're going to constrain me? Very few people go back to the cold before the cold is finished. The people but, who needed to winterize already did last fall, and they're still winterized because they're working. 
Why am I winterizing? Because you have exciting plans. What am I doing? We already said you're going on a cruise to Europe. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. Maybe the coronavirus will will hit us too and we'll be... Have done us in. Anyway, we hope to hear from you and we hope to see you in a campground near us in the not-too-distant future. Happy travels and stay healthy. 